0: You're listening to Potluck, the podcast that stirs up a unique flavor of people, culture, and brands in Asia. Hosted, as always, by Scott and Drago. Great. Continuing our conversation with uh, Ambrish Childry in our next segment called Hacking Humans. No, we're not chopping people to bits. Uh, In fact, we're looking at ways to piece things together. So the role of insight, understanding humans, culture and psychology, and how that plays a role in business decision-making. And Brice, what are your tips, your hacks, when it comes to understanding people and culture better? What's your best advice for those who want to uh, get a better understanding of uh, people and what rocks their boat in the sea that is uh, their culture? Yeah, I I,
1: I can't sort of stress the importance of understanding sort of behavior and understanding sort of key drivers of behavior. um, If you're really looking to impact business, right? Uh Because the idea of branding and marketing is, is, is to help businesses grow and to do that, they really have to connect in the right way with, with, with consumers. Um, I, I, this will sound counterintuitive, but I think the most important ingredient in doing that is bravery Bravery, bravery, mm. yeah, and bravery because it's really easy to do research in a fairly typical way, um, and I've sat in far too many research studies which, you know, <laughs> tell you what you already know, uh, but it's sort of 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 uh, you know taking taking the box on that, and 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 don't get me wrong, I think there is an uh, it is important that's an important ingredient, but what I find less of and and I really crave for more of is is more um, you know unexpected approaches to insight mapping because if you're going to take a really expected approach you're going to get very expected results so whether it is um you know, uh, looking at much more projective techniques to try and get below the surface of the responses. Uh, I think that, that's something that, that, that companies should be doing a lot more of. And I'm sure you guys, you guys probably do a lot of that. Um, I, I, I just, I speak from, you know, the kind of research studies our clients already have mm. when we join them and ask, you know, when they share with us, it all feels slightly hackneyed. And mm. I think, Research itself has to shift dramatically. Um, I think there's a role for this kind of expected research and you're corroborating hypotheses Mm -hmm. um, or brand equity and stuff like that. But I think that is going to become cheaper and faster because there are panels and, 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 and you can start getting that data much more quickly. But I think where the stronger research professionals need to start impacting more is the analysis around them mm. and that's where you try try and create a sort of more different techniques um you use things uh, like semiotics a lot more to mm. sort of try and get below what's what's hidden below the surface right yep. um you you start looking at getting data from client behavior you know clients behavior consumer behavior data the client may have so it's about getting multiple sources and creating a story from how multiple sources of the data coalesce Uh, and I think that's where perhaps research um, the research business overall needs to really embrace not just primary but also secondary data um you know data that's already out there whether it's it's social data whether it is uh, user data uh behavior data um whether it is um semiotics and cultural embedded data um i think opening up your mind towards that and saying actually as a research agency i'm not selling data mm-hmm. but i'm selling analysis and and selling sort of how the whole story fits together um i think that is is really um crucial um yeah and and which is why we try and push our clients to be m- much braver in terms of what they do when 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 we work with them to commission research um you're probably going to ask for an example now drago maybe i could talk into through
0: it <laughs> How how did you know? <laughs> I actually it was going to be scott to ask you about that, but uh.
2: yeah, I think we're just we're always fascinated to kind of get into the the work in some way. Ambush, obviously, you know, bear, bearing in mind what you can and can't share about client work. But how does your approach, or perhaps your Union's approach to understanding people and culture, maybe translate perhaps into some of the uh, you know the fantastic work you've been part of? So, are there any kind of examples we can learn from in terms of um, you know how you're able to convert that sort of fundamental? truths you know around how people behave or think or feel into action so 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 let me give you an example right so we're
1: working with a regional um sort of beauty brand um really really popular I, I, i won't name it of course um and and built around the idea of romance um but beginning to find that its sales have stagnated, and beginning to find that it's perhaps not connecting with younger audiences mm-hmm. the way it should. Right. Um, so that was the problem statement we were we were sort of approached with, um, and 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 so the first level of conversation is around. What do we want to retain from the existing brand as we're taking it forward and strengthening for the future? Mm-hmm. And I, and ideally, right? Like I think brand strategists should. This might sound self-important, but uh, uh, pretty much like doctors should have the Hippocratic Oath, which is <laughs> first do no harm. Have respect for the years of equity that the brand has built, mm-hmm. um, and and work off of that, right? So so in this case, for example, we realized that the brand does own the idea of romance and very few other brands in the category have touched romance. So the idea wasn't to change what the brand stands for, but was about owning romance in a newer, fresher way. So the research we did then was, actually, let's understand the various need states around romance. So I'm going to look at this brand's architecture and the multiple products it has and uh, and almost figure out are there multiple need states around romance I could mm-hmm. plug those in mm-hmm. and it was really interesting research because we were like don't ask anything about the brand yeah you know, of course right at the end you ask some things about the brand um, because we do need to get it signed off from the client uh, but, but but again don't ask much about the brand focus on romance focus on how romance is changing and in that, the dynamic between the male and the female, um, and and what are the expectations of romance and how they're changing, and we found some really interesting things. Right, like one one thing we found was the grand gesture of romance, and you know, uh, isn't an equal relationship between the male and the female. So, so. There is the sense of more spontaneity in the day-to-day romance, and, and 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 how the the male can show that they care for the female uh, by just everyday small things that they do, which are which are caring and tender. Uh, and I think that kind of romance has a lot more appeal than the big grand gesture romance. Mm. But again, that also feels like it's it's a certain hypothesis, and we're projecting our own expectations on it. The really interesting uh, sort of learning from that research was also that actually romance is a repertoire so yes there is more and more shift towards those smaller gestures and everyday sort of rendition of romance but there is also a role for the grand romance like Mm -hmm. the woman does want to feel sort of romanced and see the man go out of the way for the so i think that kind of understanding actually helped us build the architecture for the brand to say you know what perhaps the 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 significant or the the core brand and products could perhaps shift to a much more everyday rendition of romance but but the the you know like like the special editions etc can can start to stand for the core romance so uh, for the more grand romance and stuff like that so i think it's really about understanding how culture is changing and how you know you talk about bigger things than just your brand um I think that's crucial. It's about what is the space I really want to stand for, and how do I sort of build you know and how do I understand that space well enough to build something that connects with the consumer at a truly, truly core level um, and i And I feel like perhaps more and more brands need to think like that um, and and again, one of the the challenges we put to our clients is asking them the impact that they want to have in the consumer's life. Mm not what category they're in, not what, you know, like it's it's much more about how do you want to change the consumer's life? And you can be in whatever category, but I think asking that bigger question then allows you to stand out from others and, and, and
2: work towards that. Just um two, two sort of builds on what you've just said there, Amber. So one is in terms of um, how you actually uncovered those different sort of versions of, of of romance? So was that through semiotics? Was that through kind of some form of you know interesting qualitative um, kind of deep dive, immersive sessions? Yeah. And secondly, it sounds maybe more of a comment, but it sounds like what you're describing was almost like looking for a more authentic version of romance. So not so much this idealized, perhaps dated view of the yeah. grand gestures, the mm-hmm. you know whether it's Paris, red roses, diamonds, whatever that may be, but but perhaps echoing that whole kind of culture of, of how brands need to tap into more realistic you know ways that people live so just yeah i wanted to get your response to yeah first of all how you arrived at those versions of romance and secondly if it was rooted in some sense of not trying to be too kind of glossy around romance sure uh yeah
1: absolutely I th- and i think uh, it was all those processes involved actually we started with a semiotic analysis mm-hmm. um and we started to understand what what feel like the more residual perceptions of romance what feel like the more emergent perceptions, and what feel like you know the more um, sort of uh, current and, and and expected perceptions of romance. Uh, we created that. We we did that semiotic analysis and created a hypothesis. And I have our hypothesis naturally led us to you know it's this more everyday the less sort of uh, grand versions of romance which which sort of are being depicted more and more and more like you see you know uh, communication for even brands like Tiffany and stuff mm-hmm. and you find the stuffiness moving away a little bit and it's very much a natural relationship between the guy and the girl and stuff like that so 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 yeah that was our our our, our hypothesis which which was driven by by the um, the the semiotic analysis we did but then we did a lot of research and we did some interesting research where we said actually you know what we're not going to do focus groups we're going to ask um, a few uh, you know like, like we're, we're going to have a few respondents who have been selected who have been selected for certain criteria and we're going to ask them to bring their friends over and we're going to just have a little chat with them and their friends around these, you know, their perception of romance and with these hypotheses. And we did multiple, multiple sort of projective techniques, you know, like if they were to build a movie around romance, who would it star? What would it be? Things like that, like lots of unexpected kinds of ways of getting at that nuance. Because honestly, if you ask them, oh, what do you think of romance? What do you think? Uh, what do you want from your ideal, ideal husband or whatever or Or boyfriend, you get pretty expected things. I think I think that's where being brave is quite important. Mm. Is to push push how you ask the questions as well, um, how you set up these groups and stuff like that, right? So so try to do trying to do different things around it, Um, and again then having the humility to not just impose your hypothesis on the consumer, right? So the first thing like so one of you know we were we were going in expecting sort of this less stuffy version of romance to be the end all and that's how the brand's going to shift but we very quickly realize actually it's a repertoire they want they want it all right they want at different times they want these different kinds of romances and you know what that's a business opportunity so so i think having that humility of genuinely going to the consumer to listen to them and be open to their suggestions and where that takes the brand i think that's quite crucial as well
2: amazing
0: um, when you were talking, uh, you were talking about um, romance. It um, reminds me of a, a recent podcast I was listening to with um, Adam Curtis, the British uh, documentary maker. Actually, he would probably call himself a journalist, but uh, he just launched a new a new one. But um, it brings me uh, brings me back to his what two, thousand and four uh, Century of Self, uh, and he's had this um, uh, theme in, in in his work about how the uh, uh, modern need for self-expression has actually um, made people move away from uh, uh, from the need and the opportunity to kind of to give themselves in uh, to, to something bigger than them, including romance. Yeah. So even with in the context of romance, it, it was it was uh, talking about how self-expression comes to the fore. So romance is a way to you know to um, do something about yourself, really, rather than the other person. I think this is a great conversation, but but I have something that I, f- I feel is um, uh, would kind of bring us back to hacking humans, if that's okay. Yeah, sure, please. Something that we discussed uh, earlier about the role of the insight agency. Yeah, and it's interesting how you were talking about you know it's not about data, it's about analysis. So you know not just uh, not just the how and the what, but also the why of what's happening in people's lives. Um, from your point of view, you know, as uh, as a strategist who works with uh, insight agencies, uh, as someone who used to be a part of an insight agency sure. uh, uh, back in the day, um, if we think of the evolution uh, of the insight agency model and your current expectations, uh, you were talking about you know time and expense and the quality of insight. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more? You know what your uh, what your ideal. Uh, uh insight uh, agency uh, looks like if I may use a, a you know a, a little uh, technique here if you were to make a movie about an uh, insight agency <laughs> who would uh, who would star in that um, uh, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. leading role um, he uh, was he
1: was fishing for that one <laughs> Yeah. The title um, may have something to do with hair, but oh, stop it,
0: man. yeah I shouldn't have started that um
1: yeah I, I one of the really effective techniques that we do for our clients right mm-hmm. is is asking them what business they're in or or at least helping them define what business they're in right like I remember you know very clearly having this conversation with um you know, the founder of Gojek many, many years ago and saying to him that he wasn't in the ride-hailing business, Mm -hmm. but he was in the business of freeing progress from limits because wherever there are limits around um, sort of progress in the Indonesian uh, economy and there are multiple, people see a role for Gojek. So again, I think having that conversation of what is the business you're in is quite crucial. Mm -hmm. And I would challenge research agencies to really ask what is the business they're in because mm. I think for too long they've been in the I mean I, I'm not even sure they'd say they're in the information business I think they, they'd say they're in the research business mm. um, but I think they've got to and, 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 and uh, obviously this doesn't mean that every research agency uh, I'm, I'm painting them all with the same brush which is obviously not the case um, but I think research agencies should probably define the business that they're in is the you know, in the business of helping their clients grow. Because if you're in the business of helping your clients grow, then naturally, the way you look at data will shift. So of course, data is crucial. But more crucial than it, than that is, what do you do with the data? Mm. How do you, you know, like, do you understand decision making in the company itself? because obviously it's very much about the context in which that data would be received, right? So do you know enough about the company to be able to understand how that data will be received? What are the various agendas within the company? What is the unique opportunity that exists only for that company? And how do you steer them to get to that? So I think that would be the role for um, more and more for, for, for research businesses. And I think never before has data and especially with big data been on the agenda of the C-suite as it has it is now. So it's a real opportunity for companies that are flexible, for companies that can plug in client data, for companies that can plug in various other data sets and create a story around it and create a conversation that doesn't Go down into the weeds, but really opens up pathways for the company. I think there are a lot of c suites who are hungry for that kind of engagement. Uh, and and again, I I should say it's not like um, there aren't companies that are doing this. There are more and more research companies that are doing this. Um, but I think that's where the natural shift to research, you know, for research will happen. And I think that's where if you if you were leading a research business, um, you you'd start to think about how you're engaging the client at that level. Mm. And of course, you know, you guys are probably experts at this, so I might be preaching to the choir a little bit. Um, But yeah, I see that shift happening. I just wish it happens more and more and faster and faster.
0: Mm. Okay, fantastic. Um, Ambrish, uh, uh, let us um, conclude uh, part two of our conversation. Um, And uh, please tune in for the sweet and smoky third segment called Brand Burns. We'll be right back. back.